All right, turn to that book of Acts chapter number one while you're turning there. It's good to be back. I all missed church last week. That was a bummer. But my wife and I sat at home and we saw, uh, we, we listened to Pastor Rex Harriger, a Carriger preach down at Denellen and uh, Florida. And then we went out to Indiana and uh, the next hour uh, we saw, I heard Pastor John Wilkerson preach. And a uh, big church out there in Hammond, just thousands of people there, and it was zero degrees in Hammond, and uh, just people everywhere, and he said, we didn't run the buses today, and I'm thinking, man, what would that place look like? They ran all their buses. And then we went out to Jack Trebers in Santa Clara, uh, California, so we were, we were just going across the country in church watching live streaming, live streaming my wife and I last Sunday, so... Uh, that's always an option if we have these snowstorms and uh, you can't get out. There's some really good uh, churches out there, and these are all big churches, so it was just good to tune in and see what God was doing, just to hear them singing. And uh, praise the Lord. A couple of weeks ago, they had come out with all these reports about how 2023 was the hottest year in the history of mankind. And uh, But they only have uh, records going back about 120 years, so I don't know how they can make that conclusion. But uh, Sunday, 75, last Sunday, 75% of our country was freezing or below. 75%. So I have always wished that global warming was true, uh, especially around here. I really was saying, boy, I hope this is real. You know, I've lived here all my life, and... Uh, Western New York, I'd love to have a little warmer times, but who can stand before his cold? I'm always reminded of Psalm 147, verse 17. He sendeth his ice as morsels, who can stand before his cold? Genesis 8, 22, he says there's going to be cold and heat in summer and winter as long as the world lasts. So he always keeps his word, doesn't he? And even when it's cold out, just remember that's still God's word. You're going to always have cold, and so uh, praise the Lord. Well, hallelujah. I wish I could come to the Sweetheart Banquet, but I'm speaking that same night out at Bath with Pastor Garrett Hall for their Sweetheart Banquet. Otherwise, I'd be here. I love Rosalind's. They have such great uh, food. Amen. Tom Stiles will be 76 years old this Friday, so he's going to be here with Saturday, maybe Sunday. We should get a little cake for him or something, and and uh, have something after church surprise him. He's a good man, and look forward to having him here with us next uh, Sunday and uh, night. I went to Wendy's, got my wife two uh, two doubles and a frosty, and it cost me eighteen fifty six. <laughs> so you can get Roslyn's catered food for 20 bucks for a couple man that's a that's a good deal there so i hope you take advantage of that well i got my dad's bible today it says right on there pastor cole and just in honor of him he went home to be with the lord a year ago yesterday and uh, today would have been his 92nd birthday but he died one day short of 91 last year and this this church was a big help in comforting uh, my family my wife and kids and and uh, Dad had a hard life. Uh, he would never say that. He would always just say how good God had been to him. But he had a hard life. But the last year, he's been on vacation, man. Just uh, uh, to be absent from the bodies, to be present with the Lord. And he's been with the Lord 
for a year now, and uh, I miss him, but I thank the Lord for him, and I have his Bible. I've just loved going through here and all of his notes, and uh, so just in honor of him, I want to use his Bible this morning. Acts chapter number one, I want to speak on this subject this morning, Christ's last concern for his church. Christ's last concern for his church. What were the last words he said before he ascended up into heaven? And they never saw him again or never heard him speak audibly again, except for two exceptions. The apostle Paul would hear from the Lord later, and then John on the Isle of Patmos would receive the book of Revelation. But apart from that, nobody has heard from the Lord in almost 2,000 years since he ascended up into heaven uh, from a little town called Bethany. Bethany is only two miles away from Jerusalem. And uh, he went out to Bethany, and that's where this takes place. In Acts chapter 1, verses 1 through 8, we're going to look at those verses today, and we'll go back to the book of Luke. Those are like companion books. Both were written by Luke, who was not only a physician, uh, they call, he's called the beloved physician, but he was also a historian, a historian. And he write, wrote two books to a guy named Theophilus, who nobody knows who he is, but in verse 1 he says, the former treatise, in other words, the book of Luke, what we call the Gospel of Luke, the previous letter that I wrote, have I made, O Theophilus, of all that Jesus began both to do and teach. So that's what the book of Luke is about. What Jesus began to do and what Jesus began to teach. And so we, we thank the Lord for the history of those books and uh, we uh, the Gospels and, and Luke and the detail that he pays attention to of the things that Christ did, his, all of his deeds and everything that he taught. Verse 2, until the day in which he was taken up That's his ascension. Uh, After that, he, through the Holy Ghost, had given commandments unto the apostles whom he had chosen. So another reason he came was not just to set an an example, verse 1, by his actions and his words, but also to give commandments by the apostles whom he had chosen. He had chosen 12. He had 82 men who were his followers, and out of them, He chose 12 and ordained them to be apostles that they would be with him, gave them commandments, and they further explained those commandments in the later books of Paul's epistles and the general epistles of the New Testament, which are after this book of history. By the way, uh, Wednesday night we'll begin a new course called How to Understand the Bible. And I believe it's going to last five, maybe six Wednesday nights And uh, we're going to start with some basic things, and then I promise it'll get deeper and deeper and deeper and deeper and deeper for the six weeks on Wednesday night Bible study. So if you are here today and you're having trouble understanding the Bible, I promise this will help you personally, or it'll help you have information that you can pass on to those that you are discipling or mentoring to help them understand the Bible. The Bible is an understandable book. And uh, if you're here today and say, I I just don't get it, um, well, I want to encourage your attendance. 
on Wednesday nights uh, for the next five or six weeks, right, Ryan? Yes. Yeah, we, I think they record everything, archive it, and, and so you're probably working. But um, <clears throat> please, please come, and there'll be a lot of handouts, and uh, it, it, it's the deepest I think we'll ever go into that, and uh, it will help you understand the Bible, and that's what his apostles did. They furthered the commandments that Jesus gave. To whom, verse 3, also he showed himself alive after his passion by many infallible proofs. Now that verse 3 is talking about the gospel. What is the gospel? The gospel is that Jesus Christ came mainly, yes, to do and teach things, verse 1, yes, to give us the rest of the revelation of the Bible, verse 2. But what was his passion? His passion was to come and to die as a substitute and a sacrifice for you and I so we could be saved. That was his passion. That was his passion. The Bible says he set his face like a flint towards Jerusalem. He would not be deterred, and he went there to be crucified so everybody in this room could have a chance at least to be saved when he died in our place for our sins on the cross at Calvary. And there he was buried, and as it says, after his passion, uh, he showed himself alive by many infallible proofs, proofs that absolutely cannot be denied, that Jesus Christ rose again from the dead. He showed himself alive after his passion. That was his passion. His passion was you. His passion was me. That's why Jesus came. All right, because he loved everyone in this room and wanted us to at least have a chance. And so he shed his blood on the cross, and you're familiar, I hope, with the gospel. If not, you can believe today and be saved. But he was dead. He was crucified. He was killed in our place on the cross, and he shed his blood there uh, to pay the ransom and redeem us from all of our iniquity. And then he was buried. His dead body was put in a tomb for three days and three nights, but he rose again. Nobody has ever denied that the tomb was empty. Nobody has ever denied that. Now they got different opinions on what happened to his body, but by his infallible proofs, uh, we know he rose from the dead as he said. And so verses 1 through 3 kind of encapsulate his, his earthly ministry, his passion. But then it begins to say his last words before he ascends into heaven, in verses 4 through 8. And I believe it shows his last concern for the church, which should be our concern, and I hope it will be our concern before we leave the building tonight, uh, this, this morning rather, and, and, and my, my own concern. I'm preaching to myself today because this is something that sometimes we lose focus of. We lose focus of what he is teaching in verses 4 through 8. Now, wouldn't you agree with me that last words are important? Wouldn't you agree with that statement? At least last words are important if somebody's on their deathbed like Jacob was and he has his 12 sons and he's blessing all 12 of his sons. He's saying important words. And if you or I were on our deathbed and our family was gathered around, it would not be a time for, for humor or comedy, but we would, we would say what, what's most important uh, for us to our loved ones, giving them our last instructions. 
Verse 4 says, And being assembled together with them, commanded them that they should not depart from Jerusalem. But wait for the promise of the Father, which, saith he, you have heard of me. Now this is recorded for us in Luke, when he says that they should not depart from Jerusalem. So Luke here is reviewing this to Theophilus, saying, look, just before he ascended into heaven, he told us, go to Jerusalem, don't leave there, stay there, wait for the promise of the Father. And what was he talking about? Well, turn back to the book of Luke. Keep your place here now. We'll go back and forth between Luke and Acts and turn to Luke chapter 24 and verse number 50. So again, Luke has written both of these books, the human author. And he says in verse 49, rather, but and behold, I send you the promise of my Father upon you. But tarry ye in the city of Jerusalem until ye be endued with power from on high. I want you to notice this morning, and this is the whole sermon, his concern, his last concern for the church. His last concern is that the church have power. That was his last concern. Those were his last words. He says, go back to Jerusalem, stay there, tarry there, pray. And from the rest of history in Acts 2, which we won't look at today, they went back to Jerusalem and they literally had a 10-day prayer meeting. They did a little bit of business, church business, but they had a 10-day prayer meeting and they did nothing. They did nothing until they were endued with power from on high. It must be possible then for a believer in Jesus Christ to be endued with power from on high. He told this to them. And when you look at that, it wasn't just the apostles. The Bible says there were a whole bunch of women there. There was 120 people in this prayer meeting in Acts chapter 1. And they just began to pray. And to be endued with power was their concern. Uh, the Lord's last concern for his church is that there would not be a power outage. We know a little bit around here in western New York about power outages. All right, it's, it's, it's no fun. A lot of things cannot be done. You, you can't do it. The power goes out and, it, and a whole lot of things just come to a screeching halt. Jesus wants his church to have power. These are his last words. And he says, don't do another thing. Don't do another thing, but go back to Jerusalem. Have a prayer meeting and wait until you're endued with power from on high. And so that's what we see there in, uh, in, in Luke. Now back in Acts, that's what he was referring to in Acts chapter 1 and verse number 4. And being assembled together with them, commanded them that they should not depart from Jerusalem but wait for the promise of the Father, which saith he, you have heard of me. And so Acts is just a continual narrative of the book of Luke. They're just, they're just tied together. And so he's taken what the Lord said in the last chapter of Luke, and he is reminding them in the first chapter of Acts. Don't miss this. 
Verse 5, for John truly baptized with water, but ye shall be baptized with the Holy Ghost not many days hence. That word baptized means to overwhelm. Overwhelm, to dip, to submerge, to immerse. He said, you are going to be baptized. John used to baptize with water, but ye shall be baptized or overwhelmed, immersed with the Holy Ghost, not many days hence, and it would be 10 days, or what was called Pentecost. Of course, this was Jesus speaking 40 days after his crucifixion, and then they'd have a 10-day prayer meeting, and then 50 days, which is what Pentecost means, Penta 5, 50 days after his crucifixion would come Pentecost, and that was when the Holy Ghost would come down and overwhelm the church. Come upon them. When they therefore were come together, they asked of him, saying, Lord, wilt thou at this time restore again the kingdom to Israel? All right, now here they're getting off track. Did you ever ever talk to somebody and you get off, they try to get you off track with a question? They didn't say, Lord, about this power, we sure would like to have that. No, no, they didn't say that. They said, Will you at this time restore the kingdom to Israel? And he said unto them, It is not for you to know the times or the seasons which the Father hath put in his own power. That's God's domain. Don't let anybody tell you they know exactly when Jesus Christ is coming back again. They don't. Nobody knows the day or the hour. But the Lord has given us enough signs that we can study called prophecy that, as he said in the book of Luke, that day should not take us unawares. All right, there's at least enough signs and prophecy. We should study prophecy. But he's saying to them here in verse number 7, in answer to their question, listen, don't get derailed by trying to figure out the signs and the times and and when the kingdom's going to be restored and all that, don't, don't do, I mean, I, I love prophecy. I love to study prophecy because it's the word of God. We should study prophecy because it's the word of God. We should study the whole Bible. But the purpose of prophecy should be to motivate us to get going, not to be sensational or try to figure out things that, that nobody else is, is going to figure out because they're, they're in the Father's power. But now he tells us about, he defines verse 5 in verse 8. What is this baptism of the Holy Ghost? And ye shall receive power after that the Holy Ghost is come upon you. Ye shall receive after the power after that the Holy Ghost is come upon you. It does not say, you shall receive power after the Holy Ghost has come in you but rather after he's come upon you. There's a big difference. He comes in, everyone, anybody who's ever accepted the Lord Jesus Christ as their personal Savior. The Holy Ghost came into you that very moment. You got all the Holy Ghost you'll ever get. The third person of the Trinity, God Almighty himself, came and lived inside, and the Bible says your body is the temple of the Holy Ghost. Since the day I was 12 years old and accepted Jesus Christ as my Savior until now, 66 years old, the Holy Spirit of God, God has dwelt in this body, this physical body. I got the Holy Spirit when I got saved. And the Bible says Jesus promised that last night before his crucifixion, he'd abide with us forever. 
All right, so the Holy Ghost comes in, the true believer in Jesus Christ, when they're born again, and he abides with us forever, he's never going to leave us. But this is not talking about the Holy Spirit coming in us. This is talking about the Holy Spirit coming upon us, overwhelming us, and ye shall receive power. When? After that the Holy Ghost has come upon you. So it's possible to have somebody who's saved, who has the Holy Spirit in them, but has no power, no spiritual power. And uh, this power is for one main practice, and that is for witnessing. Verse 8, and ye shall receive power after that the Holy Ghost has come upon you, and ye shall be witnesses. Unto me, that is Christ, both in Jerusalem, that's where they were at the moment. Judea was the next area beyond them, and then Samaria and the uttermost part of the earth. So the purpose of power is to come upon us, to overwhelm us, so that we could be witnesses for the Lord. Witnesses for the Lord. Therefore, we must be brutally honest And ask ourselves, has the Holy Ghost come upon us? Did you ever hear hear somebody say, what what came over him? Did you ever hear that saying, an expression? It's usually bad. But uh, what what came over her? What got into her? And and that's, that's the expression here. You shall receive power after that the Holy Ghost has come upon you. When I was 21, I remember the Holy Ghost came upon me in a missions conference. And I haven't stopped witnessing since to people about the gospel of Jesus Christ. And a year later, the Holy Ghost came upon me in a a pastor's school. I wasn't a pastor, I was a farmer. But I remember there was something completely different that, that snapped in me, that changed my focus for the rest of my life, and that was to try to get one more person saved somehow. Somehow. Try to get another person saved, and then another and then another, and then another, and it just has not worn off. It just has not worn off. And I still try to speak to people about the gospel and, 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 and uh, give out gospel literature. I try to include the gospel when I'm preaching or when I'm teaching or if I'm in a nursery ho- nursing home or if I'm doing a funeral, if I'm doing a wedding or something. It's always the gospel. It's, it's just something that, that comes upon you and 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 let me ask you, 2023 is gone. Did you witness to anyone last year? Did you even think about it? The last concern Christ had for his church was that we be endued with power. He said, don't do a thing, but get alone in prayer. And they had a 10-day prayer meeting. And after that 10-day prayer meeting came Pentecost. And the Holy Spirit came down upon all of them. And they all began to testify of the gospel of Jesus Christ. Even miraculously back then in languages they had never studied. And in one day 3,000 people were saved. And added to the church. And you go through the book of Acts and it's like, wow, what did they have? They didn't have music. Nothing about worship, but boy, they witnessed. 
They witnessed to everybody. And then the church started sending out missionaries. And by Acts chapter 9 and verse 31, we find out there's churches in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and all the uttermost parts of the earth. They'd gone down into Africa. They'd gone to Asia. They'd gone to Europe. In 37 years of history in the book of Acts, the gospel spread all over the known world during that day. Why? Because they had received power. They had received power. We, uh, the Apostle Paul said this, and, and, and this is something I've prayed about a lot this week, because I'm not, but listen, our faith is a brutally honest faith. And there are times when you have to be brutally honest with yourself. You have to. Did you witness to anybody last year? It's gone. The year's gone. Was that witness in the power of the Holy Ghost that led to the influence of them being saved? Or maybe down the road being saved. Sometimes that happens. Did you even think about it one time last year? Boy, you know, I ought to tell someone else what I know. Christ's last concern was that his church have power. Not that they have prophecy, but that they have power. Not that they'd have worship or praise, but that they'd have power to try to win another soul to Christ. And I want to encourage our church Let's have this year be better or be different. Or maybe someone would say, I've never heard this before. I didn't either. I never heard about the power of the Holy Spirit until I had been saved for about 12 years. But you know, it says in Matthew 10 and verse 1 about Jesus, it says these words, He gave them power. He gave them power. He gave them power. And power is influence. Power is when you speak, it influences the heart of the person that you are addressing. And God wants to use you. God wants to use you. There's power, and I'll continue a little bit more next week, probably if the Lord wills or tarries. About, about power, sources of power. But we're talking about personal power today. There's other uh, sources of power. But it's possible to have personal power, personal uh, because the Holy Ghost has come upon you. And uh, it's hard to explain, but, but One time Samuel said to a young man named Saul, he said, the Spirit of God is going to come upon you. 1 Samuel 10, verse 6. And thou shalt be changed into another man, and thou shalt prophesy with them. And when that happened, Saul was a different man, at least for a while. Then his pride killed him. And people began to see that guy, and, 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 and I believe God chose that 
man for this reason, that he was so introverted, he was so shy, he was so bashful, that God changed him into another man so that everybody around Israel began to say these words, is Saul among the prophets? Is Saul around, or, or let me paraphrase, what came over him? What in the world happened to him? He was so bashful. He was so shy. He was so introverted. And now he's boldly speaking the word. What came over him? The Bible tells us the spirit of God shall come over thee and change thee into another man. Would you like 2024 to be different? Would you like 2020? I'm sure you did great things. I'm sure we, we did some good things last year. And, and, uh, and, and I love you, and I'm not trying to make you come to church. And boy, boy I feel bad because I went to church today. But, but our faith is a brutally honest faith. Imagine that you feel bad in church, and you feel bad tonight when the bills lose. <laughs> what a Sunday! I'm not trying to make you feel bad, but but this this is a tool of God. First uh, Corinthians 15 verse 34, the Apostle Paul says this: "Awake to righteousness and sin not." And then he says this: "For some have not the knowledge of God." And then he closes with this: "I speak this to your shame." Yes, shame is a tool that God reaches into his toolbox and uses on me sometimes. And says, Art, you ought to be ashamed of the way you've been. And shame is a tool God uses on us. It's a very powerful emotion that makes none of us comfortable. But it should be a shame to us when there are people around us who don't have the knowledge of God. And some of it's because us. And some of it's because we don't even see them. But if the Holy Ghost can come over us, you shall receive power. After that, the Holy Ghost has come upon you, and you shall be witnesses. I remember that missions conference I was at in Ephrata, or it was uh, Lancaster, Pennsylvania. Man, something came over. I know now what it was, the Holy Ghost. It, it changed me ever since then. And I can remember driving back from Lancaster. This was in, in uh, uh, 1979. And boy, the first hitchhiker I saw. People used to hitchhike all the time. I used to too. Remember those days? Some of you do. My brother George hitchhiked to work every night of his life. Um, but uh, it's just the way it was back then. Things were different. First hitchhiker I saw. I don't know what happened. I slammed down my brakes, picked that guy up. I just started witnessing to him for hours. And, and I had been backslidden for about four years, and every verse I had learned as a teenager, a child in vacation Bible school and Sunday school just started flowing out of me to lead that man to Christ. And boy, that, that's just been just a passion of mine ever since. Whether it's planning churches, supporting missionaries, just church services, you know, youth youth groups, and just so many opportunities. Bus ministry where I just shared Christ, shared Christ, shared Christ. It just, something came over me. And I want to encourage you, men and women, men and women, 
can women be filled with the Holy Spirit? Absolutely, women can be filled with the Holy Spirit. The Bible says, in fact, the Bible promises, and it shall come to pass in the last days, Acts chapter 2, verse 17. Saith God, I will pour out my Spirit upon all flesh, and your sons and daughters shall prophesy. In fact, it's been my observation, this is just a general opinion, that a lot of times women make better soul winners than men. They seem to have less inhibitions and less ego and less pride. And, and, and the Spirit of God can come upon our daughters and they can share the gospel. And your old men shall dream dreams and your young men shall see visions. So the Holy Ghost will come upon us. And then right after that, verses 9 through 11, Jesus is taken up into heaven. And they never see him again. And so they're staring at each other. You ever see men do that? <laughs> like Jacob's son. What are you looking at each other for? You go down into Egypt, get some food. So these guys are staring at each other, and an angel comes along and says, what are you looking up for? He says, get with it. Go to Jerusalem. Get that prayer meeting started. Just pray and pray and pray that God will fill you, and God will overwhelm you with his Holy Spirit. And they did that, and boy, I'll tell you what, that church was on fire. That church was on fire. Now, in closing, turn to 2 Timothy. 2 Timothy. You know this very dark prophecy. Chapter 3, 2 Timothy 3. This know also that in the latter days, verse 1, perilous times shall come. For men shall be lovers of their own selves, covetous, boasters, proud, blasphemers, disobedient to parents, unthankful, unholy. Without natural affection, truce breakers, false accusers, incontinent fears, despisers of those that are good, traitors, heady, high-minded, lovers of pleasure, more than lovers of God. Now, I want to close with verse number five. Having a form of godliness, but denying the power thereof. In the last days, there will be organized religion that will be powerless. And you can do a lot as an organized people. You can. You organize people, you can get a lot done. But that doesn't mean the church has power. And remember, the last concern of Christ before you ascended into heaven was, listen, I want you to have power. I want you to have power so you'll witness. And I don't know how to explain it, and some of you are witnesses, and you don't know how to explain it, but something come over you one day, and you've never been the same. But some of you, it's, it's something that you used to do. Uh, you used to witness. You, 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 you couldn't stop. You just had to get the word out. I remember people during COVID who would use their phones and talk to people on their phones about Jesus Christ because they couldn't go out personally and, and confront people face-to-face because of those restrictions and everything. But they kept talking about people on the phone because they couldn't stop. They had to talk to somebody. And they'd get on the phone, and they'd, they'd steer the conversation around to whether that person knew the Lord. Is it something you know for sure that you're going to heaven someday or... Do you have some doubts about it? Do you have some questions about it sometimes? How about that? And 
they'd respond and get in a conversation. Well, let me just share with you something somebody shared with me one time. Greatest thing I ever learned, how you can know for sure you're going to heaven someday. And they flow into the gospel. And it's just what they do. It's, it's their life. Uh, Paul talked about his life, or our conversation is the gospel. But we need power. I want to encourage you today to, to pray for power. Let's, this word denying here, it's a real sad word in, in verse number five. It, uh, this word denying, I, I did a word study on this this week. It means refusing or disregarding the interests of another person. Refusing or disregarding the interests of another person. That's what the word denying means. Having a form of godliness, church, singing, all that kind of which is important. I mean, I'd rather have organized religion than unorganized religion. We, it's, a, it's a shambles. But denying the power thereof. Again, the third time, the definition denying. Refusing or disregarding the interests of another person. Who's the other person? Christ. What is his interests? That every one of us have his power. But if we disregard his purpose, his interests, refuse. We can have organized religion that really look like we're doing something. Really can. And do and, and accomplish some things that way. But our Lord's last concern, he says, Now this is the last thing I'm going to say to you. You're never going to hear from me again audibly. Go to Jerusalem. Terry there, don't do anything till you're endued with power from on high so you can be witnesses for me. I wanted to bring this message just to kind of help us as we start this year off. I'm looking forward to this year, Lord willing. And I, I have all the intentions of the world to try to be even more of a witness. More of a witness, try to talk to more people. About Christ. How about you? you? You teenagers, what a, well, you got a whole generation of lost souls that would love to know what you know. You that are in your 20s, your generation is just sheep with no shepherd. And somebody your age could talk to them in the power of the Holy Ghost and tell them exactly what they need. There's senior citizens dying in these nursing homes and other places, and they'll get saved. Talk, Pastor Seth, I've done a lot of, you talk to him, I've done a lot of nursing home ministry. I saw a lot of people converted to Christ in the last years of their life. There's people everywhere, if we can find them, but we need power. I want to encourage you to pray for power. Let's bow our heads and close our eyes in a word of prayer. And we're going to, in just a moment, sing a, 813, I think. 860. I I think there's a power outage today in many believers, and maybe last year wasn't that good. This is a new year. That's the neat thing, how God made the years and stuff, just kind of restart. And I'd like to see maybe you make a decision 
as I've made a decision, I said, Lord, thank you for last year and being able to lead people to Christ and everything, but boy, I'd like to sure amp that up as we see the day approaching. Talk to more people. But we need to be filled with the Spirit. We need to have the Holy Ghost come upon us again, afresh and anew. And I wonder, as the piano begins to play a song of invitation, I wonder today how many would say, boy, I just, I need God's power. I need God's power. I need the Holy Ghost. I know the Holy Ghost is in me. I know I'm saved, but I want the Holy Ghost to just come over me. I want this to be a year of influence. Influence. Pastor, pray for me. Pastor, while you're praying for yourself to have more power, pray for me. No one's looking around, but would you raise your hand? Let me pray for you. I want, I want more power. I want the power of the Holy Ghost on my life. Okay, you can put your hands down. If you raised your hand, want to just come and spend a few moments at the altar. That's up to you between you and the Lord. Just say, God, give me power. I remember the old timers. They used to write out on little three-by-five cards three words, pray for power. And they used to stick that card on the mirror in their bathroom, on the dashboard of their car, on the refrigerator. They used to do that, and they just pray for power. God, give me power. Give me power. Give me power. Power to witness to others. Lead others to Christ. I wonder if there's some that would say, Pastor, pray for me in closing, because I don't even know if I'm saved. If You talked about people being born again and the Holy Ghost coming in them, and I don't even know what that means. I don't know for sure if I died today that I'd go to heaven, that I have eternal life as the gift of God. But if a person can know for sure that they're saved, know for sure that they have eternal life, I would personally like to know that. Could I pray for you too? Would you raise your hand? Would you raise your hand? Say, pray for me, Pastor. I don't know if I'm saved. I'd like to know if I'm saved. Could I see your hand? Raise your hand. God bless you. All right. Amen. Now, as believers, you, you just pray for power. Pray for me to have. Pray for Pastor Barron. We usually do that, but pray for yourself. Teenager, ask God to give you his power to save your generation. Those that raised your hand and said, I don't know if I'm saved. The Bible says, believe on the Lord Jesus Christ and thou shalt be saved. Doesn't say believe in him, it says believe on him. Believe that he's the Lord, God himself, who came to this earth and did those things I talked about, taught many things, did good deeds and actions, gave commandments, but ultimately his passion was that he died on the cross for your sins. Imagine that. God the creator dying for the creature. Oh, what love he has for you. When was the last time someone died for you? Jesus died not because we were good, but because we were bad and we needed a Savior. We couldn't save ourselves, can't. He shed his blood. Because God said without the shedding of blood, there is no forgiveness, there's no remission. So Jesus gave his blood 
was buried and he rose again. And if you believe and receive just those two words, believe, that means trust. Put your entire faith, your entire confidence in, in him, not in yourself, in him. And receive. How do I receive Christ? The Bible says, whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. So why not do that right where you're sitting? Call on the Lord right now. In your own words, or you could say something like this, Dear Heavenly Father, I call on your Son, the Lord Jesus Christ, to save me from my sins. Dear Lord Jesus, come into my heart. Come into my life right now. Have mercy on me. Forgive me. Save me. Because I believe in you with all of my heart. And I trust in you to save me. If that's your prayer, would you raise your hand and say, God knows my heart. This morning I have prayed and asked the Lord to be my Savior. Yes, God bless you. Amen. Praise the Lord. Anyone else? I've asked the Lord to be my Savior today. Father, I just want to close and promise of my prayer, and my prayer is no better than anyone else's, but many have raised their hand today saying they want to have power. And Lord, sometimes the years slip by and we shake our heads and we say, I didn't do very good. For my Savior who did his best for me. But Lord, this year I want it to be different and I pray for everyone that raised their hand that they would remember this, to go home and pray for power. Pray for thy Holy Spirit just to come over them completely. Completely change them. Him or her. To completely change me, Lord, I need to be refilled. I need to be refilled. And Lord, it wasn't the greatest year for me either. But I pray for a good year this year, all of us. Lord, the whole church, like a big army of spirit-filled men and women, boys and girls, teenagers, 20s, all ages. Just having the Spirit of God change us into another man and help us as we witness. Lord, would you please help us? Help me. And just just give us different eyes for people. And a burden for their souls. I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. One story and then we leave. Just I remember never forget this story about a pilot up in Alaska. Some of you heard this before. His job was to fly girls to a private school over the mountain every Monday, fly them back on Friday. They'd stay there in boarding. And one day as he was flying over the mountains, he ran out of fuel. And the last word, true story, the last words that were ever recorded of him was this. Please tell the families, I'm sorry. They trusted me to keep my tanks full. Last thing he ever said. They all died. We got to keep our tanks full. Be filled with the Holy Spirit because there's people out, they don't even know 
They don't even, they, they have no clue where their best hope. We care more about their souls than they care about their own souls. But we got to keep our tanks full. We got to be filled with the Holy Ghost.